and welcome to the Good Health Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Good, a registered nutritional therapy practitioner and functional medicine practitioner. Join me as we explore thyroid, brain and fatigue conditions with positivity. From Hashimoto's to multiple sclerosis, chronic fatigue to adrenal dysfunction, I've got you covered. With expert advice and tips to help you take action now and inspiring real patient stories from successful individuals who refuse to let their health hold them back. Start your journey to good health today. And don't forget to come and join the conversation on Instagram at good underscore health, that's G-O-O-D-E. Or visit my website at nicolegoodhealth.com to find out more. Today we welcome Lena Nielsen to the Good Health Podcast. Lena is a British sprinter and hurdler, having won the 400 meter hurdles at the 2021 European Athletics Team Championships. Lena is now also a yoga instructor and is one of the instructors on the FIT app. Lena was diagnosed with MS at the age of 17, but kept her diagnosis private for nine years while competing in top level sports. MS is a disease of the brain and spinal cord and the immune system attacks self, impacting the myelin sheath that is the protective cover over the nerve fibres. This damage is called demyelination. It causes communication problems with messages travelling down the nerves from the brain to the rest of the body, and symptoms and progression can be vary dramatically from person to person, depending on where the nerves are damaged within the body. Patients can suffer times of flare-ups, or they can suffer times of relapse. Symptoms can exacerbate during a flare-up, or new symptoms can appear. Last year, in August 2022, Lena had a relapse two days before the World Athletics Championship heats. This prompted her to go public with her story. Let's jump straight into the conversation with Lena. Lena, welcome so much to the Good Health Podcast today. I'm so pleased that you're joining us. No, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really, really great to have you here. I think this is going to be really, really useful for everybody that's listening. I would like to start with your career because you are someone who is doing a career that probably a lot of people with MS think you can't do so at what age did you realize that you were destined for a career as a professional athlete and was that always kind of in the plan you know I was I I think I was what they call a late bloomer um I never kind of you know you hear your stories of professional athletes and they started you know at age eight age 10 12 and I really only started when I was about 16 17 um and it was really only because of the 2012 Olympics they came to London and I um, was fortunate enough to live in one of the Olympic boroughs so we watched you know the whole of London change and you know we, we grew up with the Olympic Park um so it was an incredible opportunity to have literally in my backyard and um I just I just loved running I just loved moving and I just wanted to see how far I could run back then I wanted to do distance <laughs> events um and yeah I just challenged myself along with my sister my twin sister and my friends at school we were fortunate enough to go to a very sporty school so it was just something that I did for fun it was never uh in the plans for it to be a professional career that kind of just fell into place and I think that's the best way that it could have happened because I wasn't actively seeking it it just sort of happened naturally um and it was only when I was 19 did I have my first kind of GB best um, and international competitions and it just snowballed from there that's great yeah. so interesting it's nice that it just sort of fell into place for you so yeah if we can go back to you being 17 and getting your diagnosis of MS at what point did you realize that there was something wrong with your health how did that sort of start for you yeah it really only started when I was actually 13 um which when I look back I'm like that's so young um I was 
I didn't really question what was happening because there was so much happening with my body, you know, going through puberty, I had growth spurt pains and, you know, my menstrual cycle was starting. So there was a lot of changes happening anyway. And one of the first things I noticed was, uh, my left arm was weaker than my right arm. And that was the first ever symptom when I was I was 13. Um, and then I kind of just brushed it under the carpet because I got, I recovered pretty quickly after that. It was a maybe three week uh, kind of symptom in total. And once it went away, you just continue life as a 13 year old, you know, homework and <laughs> school friends and playing outside. Um, and then when I was 17, I had two symptoms. One, the first one was double vision, which only really lasted about 10 days. And that's when I started to become a little bit more aware of health. And I was a bit like, this isn't normal. Um, so we went to the opticians and, you know, he actually referred me straight away to a &E. He was like, there's something in, in your brain that's not, you know, functioning well. Uh, so that kind of rang alarm bells. And then six months after that, um, I had like my worst ever relapse, which was right-sided weakness. So arm, leg and torso. Um, and that was really what led to the diagnosis. So it was, um, it was just three kind of isolated symptoms that kind of made me realize this is a pattern and it's not, <laughs> I need answers. Um, and I got diagnosed um, soon after that. So about two months after that. So it was a month before my 18th birthday. <laughs> so it was quite a quick, well, quite a quick diagnosis for you once you had those second sort of episodes at sort of 17, but it'd been a longer journey for you from from 13 with sort of the first, um, yeah. first sort of episode. And you know, I, I talk regularly to um, patients about how they feel upon receiving the diagnosis. And in, you know, in my own experience and in talking to patients, I find that people tend to fall into sort of one of one or two categories. Many feel a kind of a loss, a loss of the life that they could have had, that they're sort of they're grieving for that old life. Um, others like myself, it's a relief because the diagnosis has been a long journey. I had an, I had a very long journey um, to diagnosis. So I was about 15 years um, getting diagnosed, um, which is a very long time. So for me, it was that sort of relief weight lifted, finally, you know, what's wrong. Um, but yeah. for those out there who are on the road, maybe on the road to being diagnosed or who have recently been diagnosed, can you reflect like on that time now of getting the diagnosis and kind of how that made you feel? Yeah, I, I remember the initial... Uh, reaction was denial um, if I'm being honest I yeah. <laughs> I did not want to have that diagnosis and I think that's this you know the story with a lot of people um, I, I questioned a lot you know I was active you know being in sport and doing everything in school and I just thought what did I do wrong like why, why me so it was a very kind of confusing I was very angry very upset so it was kind of like in between I, I didn't feel any sort of relief and I've heard a lot of those kind of uh stories and I did not resonate with any of them mm -hmm. and I just thought how can you be relieved this is not <laughs> this is not not a great uh thing to have and then um it took me a, a while I'd say maybe about three years to really come into sort of acceptance of the diagnosis because I thought maybe maybe it's something else maybe they got it wrong and you know you're questioning all these things um but now looking back I really wish that I found that acceptance sooner. Uh, I, just, I was just fighting a lot of emotions and now I'm in a really great place where I'm kind of almost, um, I wouldn't say proud, but you know, it, it's given me a sense of purpose uh, to pursue sport to even harder levels, you know. It's kind of given me a bit more appreciation of my body and um, appreciation of what I do and I'd never take anything for granted. So in a, in a strange way, it took a long time, but in a strange way it's given me uh, yeah sort of gratitude and a, a really a strong sense of purpose to really go for 
what I want in life um, because we just don't know how long we can be active for. And yeah, it's a, it's definitely a journey and everyone takes it differently. And um, the one piece of advice that I would give to someone who may be on the journey to diagnosis is to not compare yourself to somebody else. Cause I was searching for that yeah. sense of relief and I never found it. And I thought, what's wrong with me? And that added to that fighting feeling. So that would be my one piece of advice is to just take your own journey as it is and let those emotions come and, and deal with them in the best way that you can as a person. Yeah, I think that's really important. That's why I wanted to ask you that question because when I talk about it, I talk about the fact that for me, it was a relief. But I know that for a lot of mm-hmm. people, they go through the experience that you sort of went through with it. Um, and that can be the journey running up to it. Like I said, mine was, you know, mine was like 15 years. So it was finally getting a label on it sort of was almost was that sort of relief for me. But it is a different journey for everybody. And that's why it's interesting to have these conversations and let people see different yeah. sides of it and know that it's okay to deal with it in any way that, you know, works for them and how it's, how it, you know, however it fits. Um, yeah. So how did the diagnosis impact that journey? Because by that point you were, you were sort of, you know, I guess on the path to being a GB athlete and how did it impact that? Did you ever question that, you know, when you got that diagnosis, did you question whether or not that would now be possible for you? Um, you know, were there times when you thought maybe it wouldn't and how did you, how did you deal with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's such a long time ago, but I remember, so I lost complete function of the right side of my body. So I really had to learn to walk again, to do again, to run again, and then to sprint again. So it was a long journey kind of coming back, but I really, yeah, I only really did it for the love of sport and for the love of movement. Um, it's always been my thing to move. Um, so I never put pressure on myself to become elite. Um, and it was never, so by then when I got diagnosed, I was 17 turning 18 and I really only went pro when I was 19. So it wasn't something that was still in the sight. So it was just for me to kind of retrain my body to move again. And I think that was the best way to look at it. Um, and it was my first coach who got me into the 400 because <laughs> I used to do distance back then. Uh, he was really patient with me. And I remember turning around to him and I said, um, this, so my, my sister, my twin sister, who's basically a carbon copy of me was, was going to the world junior championships, which obviously is the highest level of sport at that age. And I just remember saying to my coach, that's it's so not fair. Like I would have been there. Um, and he goes, he turns around to me, he goes, okay, well, let's just have another goal for this year. And we, we set a number. I think the, the goal was to run sub 57 in the 400 and we just chipped away at those goals. And then when I did that, I was like, wow, look what I set my mind to. Um, and it put me kind of top 50 in the country back then. And then I turned around to my coach and I said, I want to try and make the GB team next year. <laughs> and I was 18 um, for the four by four. And he turns around to me and goes, okay, let's do it. And so it was just another goal to have. And I ended up make, not only making the four by four, but also making the individual 400 at the European Junior Championships, which was for me, one of the biggest um, achievements of my career, just because I set my mind to it. Yeah, um, and I never really put, yeah, any pressure on myself to, you know, be the best in the world or, you know, to be the best in Europe or I want to be the best in the country, <laughs> but I never put pressure on myself to kind of, you know, be the best. I just want to be better than I was last year or last month or I think that's something like that. So way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Really- I really, I, I'm a big fan of the sport. Like I just came back from a race uh, just this, just this morning <laughs> Um, and I was the first event on the track so I did my race and as soon as I've cooled down I'm in the stands watching because I'm such a big fan of the sport still being in it as an athlete I'm still such a big fan Um, so I really just do it for the love of of sport because it really is my greatest love. Do you think that that sport 
mindset you know you sort of said you were talking with your coach working with him do you think that helped you through the diagnosis as well in a way for sure yeah because I think it gave me a sort of outlet to um yeah to kind of go when you're on the track it's just track you know you forget about everything else you forget about your to-do list and (laughs) back then my exams and and things like that so and I really just for me it was the best way to get my body moving again because it was just kind of the the training that you do in track and field is so specific you're really targeting those like motor neurons and uh you know the the tiny little specific movements so for me I could feel every day I was getting better movement back in my body and I, I believe so strongly that running and all the little conditioning drills that you do for running was getting those motor skills back to my body and yeah. that was my belief system and and to this day my belief is that track and field has saved me um so there was no question that I wasn't going to return back to track and field in whatever capacity I just wanted to to go back to moving <laughs> yeah and you can you can retrain and retrain the body and retrain the brain and that's you know it's really important to yeah. to look at it that way so your mm-hmm. career you went through I think nine years of that kind of you know top level sport and all whilst doing that you kept this MS diagnosis private so what made you decide yeah. eventually to speak out about the diagnosis or what made you decide not to speak out about it earlier yeah no that's a good question I think at the start of my, my professional career so I turned pro at 19 which is really fortunate actually and not a lot of people can say that so I was really really fortunate and I remember so when I was 19 I still hadn't accepted the diagnosis so I couldn't speak about it yeah and I, it was only really my sister my close friends and my mum that knew about it and my coach because he saw the you know the whole relapse um and so because they knew I was like that's enough people I can't I couldn't even say the two letters I think I remember looking at like the logo for m and <laughs> and being like I can't look at that like yeah. it, I was so <laughs> not accepting it was so funny not accepting of it so I, I couldn't speak about it and and then when I turned 21 I had then made my first senior team um and actually I had a relapse when I made that senior team which was really funny so I was like oh I don't know if I'm ready to speak about it so I was kind of accepting it but I wasn't quite ready to to speak about it and I always thought maybe I'll make the Olympic team and then retire and then say, oh, by the way, this whole time I've had MS. That was always like my, I, I was always going to tell my story, but I wanted to do something special first and then kind of uh, tell the story. And then when I went to the world championships last year, um, literally the worst timing, it couldn't be any, any worse. I had a relapse two days before my heats of the world championships and I always believe in your, your gut feeling. So my gut feeling told me to go and do a yoga teacher qualification. It was one of the best decisions I've made. And my gut, the same gut feeling was telling me now's the time for you to say, you know, what was going on. Because when I was looking at the previews for the World Championships, you know, you, you have your stars, your Dean Asher Smith and Keely Hodgkinson are going to medal. But right down <laughs> at the bottom of the preview was, and Great Britain's Lena Nilsson is also a potential for the final. And so when I ran in heat, I came last in my heat and it just wasn't a reflection of how good my season was before that. And I kind of thought, okay, this could explain why I ran slow and could also explain why I will run slow at the upcoming championships because we still had the Commonwealth Games and the European Championships all in one year. And I just knew I wasn't going to come back for those. So um, it was kind of an explanation as to why, you know, my world championships didn't go so well and I also just felt like it was the right time my gut feeling was just saying look just just tell your story and looking back at it now the first few days I regretted it (laughs) I regretted telling my story because 
yeah it it just I didn't expect it to to blow up as it did I really thought people would go oh, okay all right so that's why she ran three seconds lower but then you know it, it was it went almost wild wild I, ha I had Brazil media reaching out Finland Norway Turkey Saudi Arabia it was it was crazy like I just thought I did not expect so many people to be so invested and I, I really didn't like it and then um after about a couple of weeks is when people who also had MS or have you know family members that have MS started reaching out and I realized that it had a positive impact and that's yeah, yeah what really made me yeah I was really proud of, of that moment after after receiving all of those messages and I think that's yeah. I mean you know that's why I reached out to you to do this because I think that's it's important for people to hear a positive story around some of these conditions and I you know I think it's great that you spoke out and I, I understand that obviously for you it obviously it did it did sort of blow up like you say but um I do I, I do think you know long term I think it's great that you've spoken out and, and brought that attention to it um because people do have I was talking to, about this to somebody else the other day and we were saying you know people do have that image of MS of you know being somebody in a wheelchair or you know those sort of things and actually you could walk past so many people in the street that have got MS and you just wouldn't wouldn't know it and it's nice to be able to spread that message about it as opposed to sort of the, all the, the downsides that go with it. Yeah and I feel like that was also one of the reasons why I maybe didn't speak about it because I was just so scared that people would be like well why aren't you in a wheelchair why aren't you in the Paralympics which some people did say that but um when I did tell my story I got reached out by uh reached out to by an Olympic skier an Olympic gymnast and these are people that are keeping their you know story silent um and then various national level athletes who are on the cusp of being international who also have MS and it's and and they were just like so grateful that you know someone was was shining a positive light because it's not always the case that you're going to end up in a wheelchair and you know like you said you you can you know walk past someone who looks completely healthy and you just wouldn't know um and so I feel like it's really important for us to kind of shine that light yeah. um because yeah I feel like a lot of, of focus is on you know like the you know being in a wheelchair and you know the the doom side of it <laughs> yeah. that's amazing that others within your industry reached out as well that you know hadn't spoken out that's that's really fascinating so what have you I know you've, you've just touched on sort of um doing the yoga uh teacher training and um and you do that now on the on the fit app which we're going to link below uh in the show notes for people to people to have a look and see what you're doing but what have you found helpful in supporting your body with MS because I know that you've taken a somewhat holistic approach to supporting yourself using your diet lifestyle obviously the sport um you know and I I obviously help people to do that within clinic but what have you found has really helped you and benefited you with the MS around those sorts of things yeah I think I'm really fortunate that I was naturally in sport because obviously with that comes um wiser health uh choices so obviously we take our sleep very seriously we're getting almost 10 hours a night and I think that's massive yeah. um, so one of the things I did when I was at the world championships we were in Oregon before I touch on that actually the second thing that I really take pride in is my um food choices you know I try to uh, lead an anti-inflammatory diet which I know that you are really passionate about yeah and it's one of the things again so grateful for sport because you naturally have an almost anti-inflammatory diet um and actually when I had my major relapse so when I was 17 I was actually tell telling someone uh, this recently because I was reading a book about um ancient remedies and Mediterranean diets and stuff um and so when I was 17 they the doctors were like you know you need to take um 
anti-inflammatories and they were listing all these side effects for these anti-inflammatories and I was at 17 I don't even know where I found this wisdom I was like no I'm not going to do that <laughs> and I just said like no to the doctor <laughs> and so they sent me home uh, I don't even know where I found the strength to just be like no um they sent me home and my mum's Egyptian Sudanese so that's naturally a Mediterranean-ish diet yeah. and one of the the cultures in like Egyptian uh, households is when someone's sick or when someone's you know family member has passed away or anything that's you know quite sad in a family your whole family comes around and they bring food um so we had you know all this amazing nutrition nutrition uh, nutritious food from all my family members and I just remember just having just a feast of basically when I look back at it Mediterranean anti-inflammatory foods and I healed pretty quickly after that and I don't think that's a coincidence um so going back to my point um when I was in Oregon the far west coast of America I really believe that one of the reasons I relapsed was the food that was there oh, <laughs> and I don't I haven't really spoken about that yeah um obviously we know that the U.S. lifestyle isn't that healthy yeah um and the whole world was in one building, basically. The whole of the World Championship, all the country's teams are in one building. So they were batch producing these meals. I don't know what they put in those in those dishes. Yeah. I wasn't I wasn't aware for the first time in my life, I wasn't aware what I was really putting into my body. Yeah. Um, and so when I looked at what changed in my lifestyle, that was one of the major things that changed. It was the food choices that, you know, I was eating at those world championships. So when I had my relapse, I remember just begging uh the great britain team to send me home i was like please send me home and i'm so grateful because i know it must have cost them an arm and a leg <laughs> to book a last minute flight for me but i was just like send me home please send me home i need to heal and as soon as i got home bless him my boyfriend was cooking meals for me because i couldn't really hold a wooden spoon at that point um the relapse had affected you know right right-sided strength and so we were coming up with meal plans anti-inflammatory foods for me to heal as soon as i could because i had the commonwealth games in about two weeks time after the world championships and I started healing, but I lost a lot of training after that. So those are the two things that I really, really take pride in is movement. So for me, it's sprinting and yoga and really just making wise food choices. Yeah, I think it's so important. And, you know, you read, you know, I've had people come to me that they've sort of said, oh, you know, doctors have sort of said, oh, you know, diet doesn't have an impact in all of this. And but the more and more people I speak to who see the impact, you're actually like you have, you know, actually sort of seen that impact themselves. And they realize that actually it is connected. And, it, and it's not it's not necessarily a choice for people of, you know, you have to have it has to just be sort of a natural approach or it has to just be a medication approach. You know, it, for some people, it's both. For some people, it's one or the other. Um, and it's whatever, you know, it's whatever works for for people. But 100% diet has an impact on these sorts of conditions. And it's really interesting there that you touched on sort of knowing what you were putting in your body, because that's always how I talk about it with people is sort of saying, you know, you really want to, because here, obviously, it's buying sort of packaged foods and packaged meals that's become so common in supermarkets and things like that. But you don't know when you buy those you don't know actually what you're putting in your body and actually if you go and just buy the ingredients you're picking up fresh foods and you know you can make yeah. that meal and you know exactly what's going into your food and exactly what you're putting into your body and what nutrients you're giving it and healing and that's really important and also the sleep that you touched on uh you know sleep is um I know for me as well is, is a really big one um and making sure yeah. you get you get enough of that in there you you know you obviously are living relatively well with uh with MS and it's really inspiring to see you know people like you who are competing top level and you're not letting your MS hold you back in any way um have you found have you found mindset has played 
a role in that. For sure, yeah. I mean, that's also one of my beliefs. <laughs> you have to be positive because that's also one of the things I've read about recently is um, how emotions can affect your body. It's obviously stress. We know stress it can raise your cortisol levels and that can affect your health. Yeah. And then I was reading about, you know, when you're scared, like when, when a child is scared, their body reacts and they wet the bed. It's yeah. a natural reaction for your body to react to emotions. Your emotions affect your health. And so I fully believe that you need to be positive. Um, and that's the mindset that I carry. Like you'll always see me smiling, like even when, you know, things go wrong, I'm still trying to find the silver linings and the positives and things. And um, I really feel like you have to believe that you can be healthy. And and I sound like one really crazy yoga teacher who's a hippie and lives in the forest. <laughs> but I really fully believe that you have to you have to be positive and, and it's hard. It is really, really hard. And after the world championships, I found it really hard to be positive. But you one of the greatest advice that I've received, pieces of advice that I've received is uh from the current world record holder in four hurdles. Um I raced her a couple of years back and I just had the worst race. Um and she came up to me, she's like, hey look you can be sad but not for too long you really have to just be positive and and um yeah I, I fully believe that you know belief is is one of the things that that you need to carry especially with with something like MS that not to be defeated not to just let it you know consume you but to really yeah see how you can spin it use your diagnosis for good um so obviously you're you're doing great things with your diagnosis and I'm trying to do great things as well and I think that can have a really positive impact on your health. Um, so I think the mindset that I had from sport is um, to bounce back. You know, every, every sports person has a, has, a, has a setback, whether it be injury or illness. Um, and so it's really taught me to kind of, you know, spin it around and, and just look forward. Um, and I, I'm really grateful for sport for that because it, it does kind of build your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Resilience. Yeah, I think, uh, and I think, you know, I think like you just said that that, sport has given you that and speaking out and having people other patients reaching out to you has given you that sort of that's that sense of the good that you are doing by speaking out and I know I get that from working in clinic with people and helping other people and sort of spreading the things that help me and being able to help others with that and I think doing something positive with it like you're saying with the sport mm -hmm speaking out with me with clinic I think those positive things and putting a positive spin on it really makes a huge difference to how you deal with with your own diagnosis as well so you are you know you are helping yeah. others but it's helping you too which I think you know if other people can True. can do that it's it does really help so any yeah. any final words of reassurance or optimism for the listeners out there who might be struggling to get a diagnosis or coming to terms with diagnosis because you know, we've we've already said we we get so much of that negative side of the story we don't get much positive outlook but what would be your kind of what would you like to leave people with as a sort of message for being able to live well with with MS one one thing that I've learned in the past year um uh, is to definitely do your own research um because there's not a lot of information out there for people with MS that can potentially help you um so I would definitely do your own research about um holistic health, um, functional medicine. I've learned so much in the past year that I really wish I knew at 18. Yeah. Um, and it was just because I I didn't know that you could do your own research and that you could, you know, dig your own holes and find uh, all these nuggets of information. Um, look for the success stories. 
um, because a lot of the time media pushes um, the not so successful stories. Yeah. <laughs> so look actively the success stories and actively do your own research about health. And I think you'll have all the tools you need to, to navigate life going forward. Lena, I love that. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. I just, I know how much of an impact this will have for people, you know, with MS, uh, people that I work with, people that are just finding this story, people who follow you. And I love your positivity and honesty around this conversation. So thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh no, thank you so much. Honestly, this has been a show and I'm just really, really happy to talk about yeah, MS and, and really spread that positivity. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Good Health Podcast. Do share the episode with anyone who you think it may benefit or who may enjoy it. And help me spread the word by rating the episode or leaving a review. If you want more, you can find other episodes in the series on your podcast app or sign up to my free newsletter. Not only will you get information on new episodes launching, but we cover lots of health topics with the Ask Nicole section where you can send in your questions, my favorite recipes, my favorite products, tips and tricks to help you on the road to good health and much more. You can sign up free of charge at nicolegoodhealth.com forward slash newsletter, also linked below. I hope you have a lovely week. Don't forget to hit subscribe and I'll see you next time.